What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for checking out the SCFYA podcast. SCFYA is the College and Young Adult Ministry of South Tampa Fellowship Church in Tampa, Florida. We meet every Monday night for the city, our weekly worship gathering. We are a family that's committed to following Jesus together in our city, and we would love for you to join us. For more information about how you can get involved, check us out on Instagram at STF underscore YA. Thanks for listening. John chapter 4, uh, and if you don't have a Bible, that's cool. We got big old electronic Bibles up on the wall that you can uh, take a look at. Um, and as you're turning there, um, I want to tell you about a guy by the name of Steve Callahan. Steve Callahan, he uh, was a, uh, an adventurer, is probably the best way to describe him. And back in the 80s, uh, he was uh, sailing by himself off the coast of uh, the Caribbean when a really bad storm came in. This bad storm comes in, blows him completely off course, um, out away from where he was intending to be and into the Atlantic Ocean. And, and, and he uh, lost all of his navigation equipment um, in the uh, storm. He, he lost all the maps that he had. And it was just him and his boat in the middle of the ocean. Uh, and for 76 days, uh, this man found himself out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, but he was actually traveling somewhere. And 76 days later, he was found off the coast of West Africa. And you go, well, did he drift there? No, he didn't drift there. He actually guided his boat there by only using the North Star. And it's pretty fascinating because I have to use Google Maps just to get from my house to here, and I make that drive multiple times a week. Some of you have lived in Tampa for a very long time, and you still don't know how to get to the Buddy Brew on Beta Bay. If you don't know how to get there, I'm sure that J. Mike, again, would love to guide you that way. Nothing but the North Star he used. And he went from the Caribbean all the way across the Atlantic Ocean and made his way to Africa. Now, he was able to do that because the North Star is this fixed point in the sky that doesn't change. Uh, And for centuries, explorers have used the North Star, among many other stars, to kind of figure out where to go and how to get there. And and even though he was lost, he had this fixed point of reference and this fixed point of reference that didn't change, that was steady, that wasn't wavering, guided him to where he needed to go. Now, if you're honest, um, and, and I'll be honest with you, Uh, I think that many of us would say that we can find ourselves lost pretty often when it comes to love and relationships. And I'm not just talking about like romantic relationships. I'm just talking about relationships with people in general. Like relationships with your boyfriend or girlfriend, yes, or maybe your fiance or your spouse, but also just relationships with your coworkers, relationships with your friends you're close with or your friends that you are not as close with or Relationships with your siblings or with your parents or with your boss, like relationships can be pretty tricky. And, and, and oftentimes we can find ourselves unsure how to navigate certain situations within a relationship. And so what do you do when you're lost? What do you do when you don't know how to navigate? Well, you look for a map to guide you. But unfortunately, um, I believe that many of us, we find ourselves looking at the wrong maps, because the maps that we tend to look at are people's opinions. So we get opinions from our friends or from our mom or or from our brother or somebody we saw on TikTok. It's like, stop, don't scroll, stop scrolling, stop scrolling. Three tips for how you can get someone to fall in love with you. Like, just keep scrolling, just keep doing it. So we follow opinions, right? 
And then we find ourselves at places and relationships we never said we would go. In fact, maybe you even find yourself here tonight and you are in a relationship or you are in relational patterns that a year ago you looked at other people in your shoes and scoffed at. Maybe you're in that toxic friendship that you have seen from a distance and have said, get out of that friendship, but now you're in it and you just don't know how to get out of it. Or maybe you've let yourself be used by guys, even though there was a time when you told yourself that you wouldn't let that happen to you. Or maybe you've got a relationship with your parents that is nothing to write home about, no pun intended. So you're lost, and you have questions, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do? And so naturally, when you're lost, you look for direction. And I just think, unfortunately, we look for the wrong direction, because we live in a world that is not short on opinions about love and relationships, but we do live in a world that I believe is short on truth about love and relationships, and that's what brings us to tonight in this new series we're doing here in our young adult ministry, XOXO, Gossip Girl. <laughs> Me and Jay were talking about the series name, and they were like, what about XOXO? And I was like, Gossip Girl, and he went, what? I said, Gossip girl, and he goes, I don't know what that is. And I said, Well, I'm married, so obviously I do know what that is. Um, so, why are we doing this series, right? Like, is it just our attempt to add more noise to the conversation? It really isn't. You see, we think that there actually is a North Star when it comes to our relationships. And I know that um, it, when you hear, like, we're doing a series on love and relationships, there's, like, three people in the room. Some of you are fired up. Like, you're like, yes, I've been waiting for this. Give me the tools to wife myself up. Others of you, you're walking in here, and you're very hesitant. You're like, what is, what is he going to say? Like, is he going to embarrass me? Is he going to say something that's going to get my girlfriend to break up with me? Maybe, and that might be a good thing for you, bro. Uh, is, is he going to say something that's going to bring me shame? Is he going to guilt, guilt trip me? Like, there can be maybe others of you in here that, like, you're not excited. You're just very timid about this. You're very cautious. Or others of you, you're like, you're just apathetic. Like, all right, Monday night, I'm here. This is where my people are. I don't really care about this. My relationships are good. I don't have anybody interested in me romantically, and I'm totally fine by that. Single, ready to mingle, but I'm secure in that. Um, and you're just like, whatever. Like, I'm, 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 just, I'm just vibing. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I think this is for everybody, and here's why. Um, you cannot live in this world without a relationship with somebody else. And again, I, I'm talking bigger than romantic relationships. There'll be times in this series where we lean into romance and, and, and those kinds of things. That's not tonight. Tonight, we're, we're kind of pulling back and getting a 30,000-foot view because the reality is uh, all of us are going to have relationships. And unfortunately, all of us are going to have times in our relationships where things go south or when we're uh, in a relationship with somebody who has had a relationship that has gone south. So we are all, because we live in a broken world, we are going to find ourselves in unhealthiness, we're going to find ourselves in toxicity, we're going to find ourselves in hurt, or we're going to find ourselves around people who are experiencing all of that stuff. And, and that's why, like, really, this series is, is, is geared a lot less towards uh, how you should think about somebody else and how you should uh, look for somebody else to treat you and act towards you, and it's really just geared towards you. Because it's easy in a series like this to point the finger at other people, at guys for not doing what they should do, or girls for not doing what they should do, or this friend group for being that way, or whatever. 
but the reality is, and, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in this, um, personal problems become relational problems when we don't deal with personal problems personally. And we want to deal with our personal problems personally so that we don't bring them into relationships. So that's what we're doing here tonight. Tonight we're laying the groundwork. We are kind of setting the stage and we're looking a little introspectively. And so as we do that, I have a question to get us going. Uh, Very simple. Why do you want a relationship with somebody else? Again, that could be a romantic one. That could just be a friendship. That could be even like a business relationship. Like why do you want a relationship with somebody else? And I think that we want relationships with other people um, because all of us desire to be loved. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, if you grew up in church, if you didn't, if you had a, a good home life, or you had a really crappy home life, like you have a desire to be loved because in our minds to be loved is to be wanted and to be wanted is to be significant and it's in our significance that we find purpose in life. Which is why I believe that love and life are intrinsically tied together. We even use this language when we talk about relationships, like a good, healthy, um, beautiful relationship is what? It's life-giving. Love and life are intrinsically tied together, which is why I believe we look for love in relationships. And so we run to relationships to find love, but here's the problem. You will never find a relationship that can give you the love that you actually long for. Why? Because just like you, the people you're entering into a relationship with are also looking for love. So here's the problem. When two people step into a relationship looking for love from the other person, if they walk in without a source of love, what do they do? They don't give love to each other. They take love from each other. And eventually, they take and they take and they take, and that tank runs dry. Which is why tonight as we begin this conversation about love and begin this conversation about relationships, we have to focus less on what other people can give us in a relationship and more about what we can give somebody else. Because unfortunately, if we are not careful, we will find ourselves assuming we can be a source of love for somebody else so that they can in turn be a source of love for us without actually stepping into a relationship with a source of love outside of that relationship. And this is kind of the big overarching idea that I want to keep coming back to tonight. And it's just simply this. You need a source of love in order to be a source of love. It's super simple. You need a source of love in order to be a source of love. Um, A few years ago, um, my wife and I had this tree at our house and it was kind of overgrown and uh, the, 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 I want to say appendages. That's not what you call a thing on a tree. Branches. That's weird. You know, anthropomorph- anthropomorphism, right? SAT word for you guys today. Um, the uh, appendages from this tree, otherwise known as branches, were like hanging over our roof, right? <laughs> it was getting dangerous. Um, and so I had to get a, a go get a pole saw so I could, you know, uh, cut it down. So I go to Lowe's, and uh, I know all of y'all are probably thinking the same thing. It's like, man, like you do look like someone who does a lot of things with your hands, like building and tools and that kind of thing. Um, thank you. I don't. 
And uh, so I walk in and I go, I just go straight for like the little associate at Lowe's and I'm like, what's up, bro? Hey, here's my problem. Here's what I need. Could you just show me where to go? I am the, like, at that moment, I am exactly what he's longing for because he could tell me anything and I'd be like, all right, bet. Just here's my credit card. And so he's like, well, what are you trying to do? I'm cutting this tree down. It's got like branches that are hanging over. And he's like, okay, well, how much, like, how long is the work going to take? And I was like, "Ah, I don't know, bro. Like a couple hours maybe. And he's like, okay, well, here's your two options. Um, you can uh, you can get a battery-powered one, um, or you can get an electric-powered one that plugs into like a to a wall. I was like, okay, awesome. Um, which one should I get? And he's like, well, it just depends on kind of what you're you're looking for. You see, the, uh, the there's a lot more freedom with the electrical one, right? You can kind of move it around, and there's no wires attached. You can kind of do whatever you need to do. Uh, but there's limits in it because eventually it's going to run out of battery. Um, on the flip side, though, if you have this electrical one, it's going to have a little bit more constraints. Uh, you're not going to be able to do maybe as much as you'd want to do, but you're never going to run out of power. Um, and he said, if, if it was me, I would get the electrical one, which is the one that I went with. And, and see, as I, when, when I think about this idea that you need a source of love in order to be a source of love, I'm drawn to that instance in my life because I think for many of us, when we think about Jesus being the source of our love, we think restrictions. Like we talked about this a few weeks ago, or I guess it was a couple months ago now, when we talked about the question of why does God care who I sleep with? Because we said that, you know, God's, like, design behind sex, it, it seems like it inherently has all these restrictions, all these things that are binding and all these things that are limiting. And the worst thing you could do in my position is come up here and be like, no, man, like, it's great. Like, it's not binding. It's not restricting. But the reality is, like, it is. Like, God's design for this world is going to limit your desire. But in limiting your desire, it's actually going to fulfill desires that maybe you didn't even know you had. I was limited cutting down the tree with a pole saw that was plugged into the wall, but I never, ever had to wonder, is my power going to run out? I want to set us up to be a people who never have to wonder, like, is my love going to run out? Am I going to become the person that I told myself I wouldn't be to other people? So in order to do that, in order to see how we need a source of love in order to be a source of love. We're going to have to look at what our source of love should be. And we say this all the time, but just so you know, like, this is a conversation. You might not agree with what I'm saying up here. Totally fine. If I'm up here or anybody standing up here, we're going to give you God's word. And hopefully we're going to do it faithfully. But I hope that you'll see, and maybe just, maybe just, like, open up yourself to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, the way that you have been trying to love other people and get love from them is actually resulting in more hurt for you than anything else. So here's what I want to do the rest of the night. Just split it into two parts. Very simple. First, I want to talk about our source of love. And second, I want to talk about how we can be a source of love. And so to focus on our source of love or what our source of love should be, I want to draw our attention to 1 John. And in 1 John, uh, the writer there, who is, you probably guessed it, named John, um, he's writing to a group of Christians who they've, they've got questions about God. They've got uh, even some questions about God's love for them, specifically in their situation. And in verse 7 of chapter 4 of 1 John, it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. 
God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. So at the base level, our relationship with God is predicated and founded upon love. And we know that because we all know that we have the freedom to enter into a relationship with God or to not enter into a relationship with God. And we're not like automated robots who are programmed. Uh, no, we are beings with a free will who can make decisions on their own. So, so in order to actually love somebody, you have to give them freedom. And we see that freedom on display in our relationship with God. Choice lies at the very heart of what it means to love, to be able to choose to or to not love something. So then what does it mean for us to say love? Like, what, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. I mean, I, I think that love is a world that is abused uh, and misused. I mean, because we throw it around. We love Chick-fil-A. We love our grandma. We love the University of Florida. <laughs> right? We love, like, what? <laughs> the fact that y'all did that on sync. In sync. Wow. Okay. Um, y'all did great this year. Did y'all make it to a bowl game? Or... No, okay. Um, so um, um, I'm, don't walk out. Don't, Matt, sit down. Don't walk out, Matt. Don't walk out. <laughs> what are we doing? Anyways, okay, what is love? Let's get back to the serious stuff, right? Um, like, w- we do throw that word around. So I think in doing that, we can subconsciously, like, minimize it sometimes and minimize, like, how it's used and when it's used. But there's this one line, and I, I, I kind of emphasized it as we were reading it, that I want us to not, like, run away from. And it's that line where it says, God is love. Notice what it does not say. It does not say that God is loving. It does not say that God loves. It says that God is love. Which means that wrapped up into the actual character and person of God is what we would call love. And so, therefore, like in order for us to understand what love actually is, we don't need to look at a quality. We need to look at a person, and that person is Jesus. Because love is not something that God does. It's something that God is. God is love. And you are not going to actually be able to adequately love somebody else or be loved properly by somebody else if you have a misconstrued view of what love is. We've got a lot of opinions about love. Let me, let me give you the truth of what God's word says about love. It's not a quality, it's a person named Jesus. So what do we see demonstrated from Jesus? Just a couple things as we're looking at this. First, we see that love, it's, it's an action. It's not an emotion. It's an action, not an emotion. Verse 9 in, in, in 1 John 4. God's love was revealed among us in this way, was revealed among us, which shows us that for God, love is not just something he thinks about or feels. It's something that he demonstrates. It's an action. And let me take this a step further. First Corinthians chapter 13, you've maybe heard this if you've gone to a wedding before, but I want to maybe show you these verses in a way that you haven't seen them before. All of these are descriptors of love, but notice all of these are verbs. They're action-oriented. Love is patient. 
Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not boastful. Love is not conceited. It does not act improperly. It is not selfish. It is not provoked. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Action-oriented, not emotion-oriented, which we have to clarify because if we think that love is a feeling, two things are going to happen in our minds that are incorrect. One, we're going to assume that God can have moments when he doesn't love us. And we might never say that. But if love is a feeling and you look at your life and go, well, there's times where I feel like I don't love certain people. And you're very acutely aware of your shortcomings and your failures and the things that you're doing wrong, the, your brokenness what would stop those thoughts of creeping in your head of saying, yeah, God loves you, but. No, no, love is action-oriented. It's not feeling-oriented. And I love that it says God is love. And if God is love, it means that everything we just read is not just a quality of love, it's a quality of God. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy Jesus is not boastful. Jesus is not conceited. Jesus does not act improperly. Jesus is not selfish. Jesus is not provoked. And Jesus does not keep a record of wrong. Jesus finds no joy in unrighteousness, and Jesus rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is what love is because this is who God is. Love is an action, not an emotion. But second, love is unconditional, not conditional. Verse 10 of 1 John 4, love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. This means that we did not earn God's love, and it's not based upon any kinds of conditions or requirements. And, and let me be clear for a second. Um, this does not cheapen the love of God because there are requirements for God's love. The beauty is that those requirements are not required of you because those requirements have been fulfilled by Jesus. It is a unconditional love, which is to say that it is a love that loves you before it, you love it is a love that takes steps towards you. It is not based on conditions or, 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 or contracts. It is based upon his character. He is love. And third, love is selfless, not self-serving. Verse 10, again, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And look at this, and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now that's a big old theology church word. Propitiation is just a fancy way of saying sacrifice or a substitute. You see, God's love for us is expressed in his sending his own son to a cross to be killed on our behalf. We've talked about this before, but the reality is this, the brokenness of this world, it demands justice. The brokenness in your world, it demands justice. Why is there brokenness? Why is there evil in this world? It's not because of people out there. It's because of the person you look at in the mirror. It's not that political party or that way of thinking. It's every single one of us who've decided to live life our own way. And all of us in our own way have said to God, 
I don't need you. I can do it my way. And when we do it our way, brokenness occurs. And so in order for that to be reconciled, something had to happen. And then something that had to happen was death. Because if God is the author of life, to choose the opposite of him is to intrinsically choose death. But you and I don't have to die because of our sin. Because someone already died on our behalf, and that someone is Jesus. So, so what does that have to do with this point that we just made? Jesus displayed his love by living life selflessly, not life self-servingly. Which is to say that all the decisions that he made, all the things that he went towards, um, the trajectory of his life and his love was always about other people, not himself. That is our source of love. It's a love that is selfless, unconditional, and action-oriented. And that's the source of love that we need in order to actually be a source of love for other people. So as we kind of turn this ship a little bit, let me ask you, is this your source of love? Again, I didn't ask you if you believe in this love. I didn't ask you if you think this is true. I said, is this your source of love? Well, the, the only way to really know is to look at your love. Because I love what Jay Sanders said last week. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. So if you have a different source of love than the love of God for you, chances are your love is not going to look like God's love. Because really what we're, we're, we're trying to determine here is what kind of love is controlling us? Are we being controlled by the love of Jesus or are we being controlled by the love of other people? And, and you see, Paul picked up on this in another letter he wrote to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this about love controlling him. He says, the love of Christ controls us, him and his friends, him and his disciples. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all. So that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, for their sake, died and was raised. You see, we have a source of love, and whatever that source of love is, it will ultimately control us. The problem is that many of us look to those around us to be a source of love. Again, we're looking for love. So when we look to other people around us for love, they become our source of love, and subsequently we can become controlled by their love for us. And this text, it teaches us this really important truth, and that's that you will be consumed by what you are controlled by. So why are you consumed with anxiety? Maybe it's because you're controlled by your desire to be loved by other people, and oh, by the way, that love is always wishy-washy, making you wonder, am I measuring up? That will produce some anxiety in you. Maybe you're consumed by insecurity. Or maybe you're letting yourself be controlled by the love of other people, which again is very easily lost. And so it's causing you asking, am I doing enough? 
So if you want to know what you're controlled by, you have to look at what you're consumed with. And, and that's what Paul shows here. Look at that verse again in 2 Corinthians 5. Look at the back half. He says that the, the love of Christ controls them, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. What does that sound like? That sounds like loving in a way that's different than the way that our world loves. So, so in this passage, Paul's showing that he is consumed by the love that he's controlled by. The love he's controlled by is the love of Jesus. Therefore, that influences how he loves other people. He's controlled by the love of Christ, and therefore his life looks like the love of Christ. Uh, another way to say that is that he has a source of love in Jesus, so he can therefore be a source of love for other people around him. But the inverse of that is true as well. Your life will be consumed with the love of other people when you let yourself be controlled by your desire to be loved by other people. So as I kind of just land the plane tonight, I, I want to give us just a couple questions to ask ourselves to figure out, okay, what love is controlling me? What, what is my source of love? Well, again, if you want to know what your source of love is, look at how you love other people. So let's give ourselves some questions to do some introspection, to ask ourselves to see where our source of love is. First question is this. Do people have to earn my love or do I freely give it away? Uh, another way of putting that is, are there any buts before your love for somebody? Yes, I would love them, but. And again, remember, love is action-oriented, so let's put some actions in that. I would serve them, but I would forgive them, but I would confront them about that thing, but I would listen to them, but you see, it's really easy to place conditions on people that you love when you base your love on the type of love you receive from other people, because the love that you're going to receive from other people, guys, doesn't matter how well someone's seeking to love you, there will be contingencies attached. And see, healthy relationships are not relationships where people say, I have no contingencies. I have no conditions. Healthy relationships are when people can say, yeah, I am aware of my inherent biases. I'm aware of my inherent conditions and the things that I do in my mind to get people to measure up to my love. Healthy relationships identify those and work with the power of Jesus to get those thoughts out of their mind. Every relationship you step into is going to have contingencies. It's going to have uh, buts. And this is why it's so easy in our world to be fake. This is why it's so easy in our world to live a double life, to, to perform, to, to never feel like we're measuring up because we are surrounded by people. And, and again, I'm not trying to paint people negatively. We all do this with the best intentions of loving other people well. We all have moments in our life we say, yeah, but to somebody else. And I'm just saying, if you're basing how you love based upon how somebody else has loved you, you're always going to find yourself falling short because you're not finding love. And if you're not finding love, you're not finding life. So you can't give love. And you can't give life. You can only take it. Do people have to earn my love? Or do I freely give it to them? You have someone who loves you. And you didn't have to earn that love. Like you didn't have to earn it. 
And because you didn't have to earn it, there's nothing you can do that you could lose it. So why would we put other people up to a standard that God doesn't put us up to? Second question. Does my love initiate or does my love only reciprocate? It's easy to practice reciprocating love. And by that I mean it's easy to love people when they have first loved you. And, and, and that's a type of love that's reactionary. That's a type of love that's response-driven, which means that some people will get your love and others won't get your love because not everybody is going to love you. And, and not everybody is going to show that they love you even if they say that they love you. But the love of Jesus, like we already talked about, it is an initiating love. It's a love that steps towards you even when you're not stepping towards it. And um, this quality in your love is going to be a way that you can tell whether you're maturing in your relationship with Jesus. You see, maturity is not more knowledge about God. It's not more theology. It's not knowing Greek and Hebrew words or doing a Bible study on Revelation. Um, maturity is actually measured in how well you love other people. So in your love of other people, are you initiating What's that look like? Um, it could look like forgiving somebody even when they haven't said sorry. It could look like confronting somebody when they've sinned against you or when they're living in sin. I think sometimes we assume that confrontation and love are not coexistent, and yet Jesus, who is love, was one of the most confrontational people in the whole world. There's not a chapter of the Gospels that you read where he's not confronting somebody in their air. How can that be loving? Well, what's more loving? To let someone continue on a path that's going to lead to destruction or to try to bring some correction before that destruction occurs? There's some of us in this place tonight, and God has put on our hearts some confronting that we need to do. And I just want to encourage you, for the sake of love, just do it. For the sake of love, not for the sake of being a jerk. Talk to them. Bring up what they've done to you that you've harbored inside of you. Bring up what you're seeing in the patterns of their life that all of your friend group knows about and all of your friend group is talking about, but no one is talking to someone about their sin. They're just talking about their sin with other people. That's not loving. That's not an initiating love. That's a reciprocating love. Let's initiate love in that regard. Forgiving people, confronting people. Maybe it looks like you... You ever notice when you walk into a room um, and you find a mirror? What do you do? What do you do? You, you, you look at the mirror. <laughs> you, you, you take a look. Okay, is the shirt okay? Did I, didn't, did I go to the bathroom and zip? Okay, like, is it all good? <laughs> like, like, no, like, like, why? Because we are naturally drawn to think about ourselves. It's just who we are. The irony is that for many of us, we live life assuming that everyone is fixated thinking about us. What do they think about me? Like, what do, they, what do they think about when I said that or did that or wore that or dated him or whatever? It's like, I'm just tell you, people are not thinking about you as much as you think they are because they're thinking about themselves. 
So what's an initiating love look like? Maybe it looks like you building rhythms into your life that force you to take your eyes off yourself and onto other people. Maybe it looks like putting a reminder in your phone of, hey, I'm going to like pray for these friends at this time of day. Or, or, or maybe it looks like uh, moving beyond coming on a Monday night and it looks like joining a community group because it's in community that you actually can display love. Maybe it just simply looks like walking through your day with your eyes open to other people as opposed to closed to what's going on around you. Jesus' love initiates, so ours should as well. So do they have to earn our love? Do we initiate or reciprocate? And then the last thing is this. You want to know if you are getting the right source of love, just ask yourself this question. Do I only love people who are like me? This is a gut check for me because, like, I can chop it up with people who are just like me. You want to talk sports? Like, you want to like, come and sit, sit around a fire and I'll grill some steak and, and we can just, like, you know, kick it? Or you want to talk, like, uh, babies and sleep schedules? Shout out John. Like, I can talk that up a mess, right? You want to talk some theology? Like, let's do it. Let's get coffee and let's do it. But if you don't like the things that I like, it's hard for me to spend time with you. Again, love's not an emotion, it's an action. So for me, if I'm only finding myself creating community with people who look like me, think like me, like the same things that I like, do the same things that I do, do I really love people or do I just love myself? Guys, that's why, like, last week we had this conversation about racism in the gospel here in this space. Because not all of us think the same way. Not all of us look the same way. Not all of us have the same experiences growing up or in the world today. And to be a ministry that is action-oriented in our love, that initiates and doesn't just reciprocate, we have to provide spaces for us to love people who are different, for us to love one another because we are different. But that's bigger than this room. That's your company. That's your classes, that's your family. Listen, there is no one more unlike Jesus than you and me. He's holy, he's perfect, you're not. That's a big difference. And yet, he doesn't just demonstrate his love for you by dying on a cross for you and then going up and sitting on a throne and saying, all right, man, we'll just figure it out and we'll, we'll get, no, like, He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Which means he doesn't just do things with you. He doesn't just provide for you. You have the capacity to live with him. His disciples, the men that he and women he walked with and he broke bread with, like he didn't just teach them things. He lived life with them, and they were very different from each other and from him. So you want your love to be like God's love? Ask yourself, do you only love people who are like you? Now, here's the thing about those questions. Um, those are not three questions you answer tonight, and then you're on a, like a trajectory to always love people the way that Jesus loves them. These are questions that I would recommend asking yourself multiple times a day. 
Because here's the reality. Even though we can have a source of love in Jesus, the pressures and the voices and the opinions about love and relationships in our world today, they can crowd our minds to where we can begin to, even though we intellectually know the truth of love, we can tangibly express a falsehood about love. And I just want to challenge us to let that not be the case. And the only way that you let it not be the case is if you daily, consistently remind yourself of the love that God has for you. And the reason why we would stand on a stage or sit with coffee with you and tell you, like, hey, you need to have your own relationship with God. You need to have your time you spend with Jesus. You need to know what his word says to you, not what someone on a stage says that it says to you. The reason we say that is not to give you another list of things to do or chores or homework. We do it because the only way to have a healthy relationship is to do what? To cultivate it. Guys, there are seasons in my marriage where Rachel and I do a really bad job at showing each other love. But to remind each other that we do love each other, we have to have moments where we recenter. And, and sometimes they look very explicitly like sitting down and looking each other in the eyes and saying, we're all on the same team here. I love you. Sometimes for you, it looks like just sitting down, reorienting where God can say, hey, we're on the same team here. I love you. And, and again, is this kind of a one-size-fit-all uh, answer for every relationship and love question you have? No, it's not. It's, it's a paradigm I hope that you'll see. You need a source of love in order to be a source of love. Because here's the reality. We, we know this about relationships. Um, relationships are amazing, wonderful things. But they also have the capacity to be very, very dangerous. You see, if we do not have a source of love, we will look to relationships to give us love. And so as relationships enter into our life, what will happen? We'll grab onto them. And we'll hold tight. Because that is where we find love. That is where we find security. That is where we find everything we're longing for, significance and worth. Or if we have a source of life in Jesus, he's our source of love. We don't have to hold on to relationships as that source because we already have one and, and the reality is every relationship will end friendships will end dating relationships will end whether that be by decision or something more tragic every relationship you have it will end the question is when that relationship is removed, will it do damage to your life? Because if you hold it open-handed, because you already have a source of love, relationships can be taken from you. And yes, you will have loss, but you won't be damaged. 
but if you're holding on for dear life, because that girlfriend of yours is the only way you'll be happy. That friend group you have is the only way that you can actually stay faithful. When it's taken from you, it'll do damage. We need a source of life in order to be a source of life.